You know, uh, there is a question that has been bouncing around humanity for a long, long time, probably since the beginning of time, and that question is, who am I? We've spent, uh, we spent many, many uh, seasons of our life processing that question, and uh, it's interesting because there's all kinds of uh, uh, aspects to what that question involves. Who am I? So basically, what's my identity? And uh, all kinds of... Um, different aspects you can look at to say, hey, like, what makes me up? Is it my personality? Uh, there's a debate that's been going on for a long time. Uh, it's called nature versus nurture, which basically is what are the things that I was born with, you know, like all the pre-programmed stuff about who I am and how does that identify me, but also nurture. So those are the things like your family and your upbringing, your education, uh, your social interactions, all of that stuff. So how much of those two things influence your life? And uh, the debate rages on all the time about, uh, you know, well, this one's more important and this one's more important and no, we're pre-programmed, no, we're not. Uh, and, you know, I'm probably somewhere in the middle, although I'm not smart enough to figure it out. But um, there is definitely a longing in the human soul and the heart of a man to find out who am I and to answer that question because it's a really important question to ask. And it's a really important question to find out the answers to. What is my identity? How does it how does it affect who I am and what I do and, and all those kinds of things and how I relate to other people? So on the nurture side of things, we don't spend the first few years of our life spending a whole lot of time engaging with that deep question. You know, <laughs> you're not really kind of wondering when you're three, who am I? <laughs> how do I fit into this vast universe? You're just figuring out, wow, look at all this cool stuff, you know. You ever seen a little baby when they first discover their fist? That's just the greatest thing ever. They're just like, oh, and then, you know, like, in the mouth, right? Yeah, and they suck on it. And then, and then they discover, wait, I can control my fingers. You know, that's kind of more the level of what happens, right? And then they kind of go from controlling their fingers to controlling their legs. And then they can get up and they crawl and they walk and they start moving. And then they get to the point where they can talk. And then it's all over but the crying once they start talking, right? And that leads us all the way up to adolescence. Adolescence is probably the first season where we really consciously start figuring out and maybe not um, asking the deep, deep questions, but still going, who am I? How do I fit? Uh, you know, uh, we have middle school teachers here and maybe even earlier, but there's a season of life where it's just, it's so much drama, you know, because we're all, uh, you know, trying to figure out who we are and what's happening with our lives, you know, and, uh, you know, what it, what it means to to engage with other people, with my personality or who God's made me to be. And, you know, and then we start figuring out, oh, yeah, it's actually a good idea to, to brush my teeth and shower, you know. You know, <laughs> it's like all these things we start figuring out as we're trying to figure out who we are. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, later, you go to the early adulthood where you start asking these more questions about who am I becoming? What, what's really, really important to me? And there's, there's also a, a continuing separation from your parents and, and, and who they were. Because you've got to figure out, who am I on my own? How do I stand alone? And so through adulthood, then we hit middle life. Yeah, middle life's a great time. Um, we start looking at life and kind of where, where are we at? Like, not necessarily who we're becoming, but who have I become? And what have I done? And how have I accomplished things? And often these questions in midlife lead to the famous midlife crisis, Right. Some guys, you know, he's kind of looking at his life going, man, 
this is scary. I'm getting old. And so he goes out and, you know, buys a bunch of gold chains and buttons his shirt only up to here and gets a red Corvette, right? A midlife crisis, something like that. I don't know. That's kind of the stereotypical midlife crisis that they would uh, spoof on TV. But it is a serious time, though, where people are really trying to figure out, who am I? Asking that question. What have I done with my life? And this question just keeps going. In late adulthood, you know, as you start facing retirement and the end of life, you start looking back, definitely going, who am I? What did I do? What did I accomplish? Did I accomplish anything? Who am I? Who's around me? Who are my friends? Who are my people? And uh, what have I become? And um, we start looking at the, you know, kind of reevaluating. And also, I think at that phase time, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not there yet, but I've heard from some that the hard part, too, is looking forward. It's like, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, where am I going? But this all involves our identity, these questions throughout our entire life where we're trying to figure out who we are. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at our identity, look at what it means, but we're going to look at a specific part of it. And uh, answering the question of who I am is very, very important. But before we answer that question, there's one that's even more important that we need to ask ourselves, and that's who I am in relation to Jesus. That's a huge question, and the answer to that question affects all of your eternity. The answer to that the question also affects your here and now. The question of, am I a follower of Jesus? Do I belong to him? Is he my Lord and Savior? You know, through faith, have I received that gift of grace in my life? And when we do that, when we answer that question, or when we do surrender our lives to him, there's a term that uh, we use, and it's called in Christ. So the, another way of asking that question is, am I in Christ? Am I in a relationship with him? Because the term, you know, I'm a Christian, eh, it's pretty vague. <laughs> that, that could be anything. That could be culturally. That could be just something you, you're putting on because, you know, that's what your parents were, whatever like that. But if you answer the question, who I am in relation to Jesus, and you answer that I am in Christ, I am in him, that's a whole different meaning. And that will profoundly affect your identity and profoundly affect who you are. And one of the reasons why it's so important that we understand that question is because for us to truly be who we are, for us to truly thrive as a human being, we have to be in Christ. Because when we actually surrender our lives to him, and we are in Christ, we belong to him, then that's where we, to, we truly figure out who we are. And God starts working in us this amazing work of revealing who we are. And we start prospering in ways that we never dreamed possible because of who he is and what he's doing in our lives. So it's this gift of grace to be in Christ. And we receive him. And it's a great place to be. And it's also the biggest part of our identity as we're followers of Jesus. That's the most important thing is that we are in Christ. So that's what we're going to look at specifically over these next few weeks is what does it mean to be in Christ? We're going to look in, uh, today I'm starting with uh, kind of a kickoff scripture. It's the first 14 verses of Ephesians. Now this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesians. Ephesians, And um, it's actually a big part of these 14 verses is one, in the original Greek, is one long sentence. So it's, it's crazy trying to read this thing. And uh, especially if you read it like um, in, in some of the older translations, because uh, it's just like, uh, 
wait, what? <laughs> you can get lost. So thankfully, uh, in the English translations, most of them, um, they've, break, they've broken it up somewhat. And so for clarity's sake, we're going to read out of the New Living Translation. But what I'd like to do is just read the entire 14 verses for you. And uh, once again, it's just a, it just feels really good to allow the Word of God to have the first word. So as we're studying Ephesians, as we're walking through um, or this portion of Ephesians, and as we're walking through who we are in Christ, we'll continually be referring back to this. But this is a great opening, uh, uh, opening of a letter by Paul. He's, it's basically a praise. He's just praising God. And like I say, it's, it's in the original, it's mostly one big sentence. So there's just a lot in here. Theolog- uh, theologians look at this, and they're just like, they talk about it being so dense with theology and, and what Paul is saying. And, and it's just like, whoo. So just bear with me as I read this. And um, just allow... Allow the words to speak to you. And, uh, oh, Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 14. Yeah, so the beginning, and it should, it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your phone or your, your uh, hardcover Bible. Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 says this. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. That united with Christ is synonymous with being in Christ. Some of the translations actually say in that, in Christ. We are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. That belonging, when we belong to his son, that's also in Christ. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with his kindness, or he has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has revealed to us this mystery Uh, Excuse me. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ or because we are in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. So that's in Christ. He marks you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee 
that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So the question comes, how do we become not in Christ to being in Christ? What does that mean? And uh, find that in uh, verses 12 and 13. God's purpose was that we Jews who first to trust in Christ, who bring praise and glory to God, who were first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles also have heard the truth, the good news that saves you. So that's the gospel. So there's this first this concept of trust. There's a contest, concept of hearing the news, about hearing about Jesus Christ, about hearing the gospel that, that saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. So to be in Christ means we would call it in the Christianese terms to be saved. <laughs> we are saved from our sin. We, are, we become part of his family. We get adopted into his family. And so in order to be in Christ, we first have to surrender our lives to him. That's just the basics of the gospel. That is the gospel message, that we can have freedom from sin and that we can be in a place where we are, we are at, uh, at peace with God. So we find, we find peace with God so that we can have the peace of God. And that's what it means to believe in him. That's what it means to be in Christ. So we need to understand that there is a distinction. And that's why it's such an important question to ask yourself. Where am I? Am I in Christ or am I not? There's no, there's no middle ground. It's either you're in Christ or you're not. And the way to be in Christ is to rely on his grace through faith and receive that gift of salvation. To believe in Jesus. To believe in Christ. The Ephesians, um, the NIV version says it this way. And also, uh, this is verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal. So it's another way of saying that we were in Christ because of our belief in him. Once again, it's, it's, a, huge, um, it's a huge decision to make. And it's really important that we understand that being in Christ is a beautiful thing. And it's something that's not done by our own works. It's done by his works. It's done by the gift of grace. And so we're in Christ because of what he has done, and we believe in him and what he has done for us. So what does being in Christ mean? What does it mean for us? Well, just going through that scripture, there's tons. It says we are blessed, we are chosen, we are made holy, we are adopted sons and daughters. We belong to his family. We are free. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We have a guaranteed inheritance. We are marked by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's all in those 14 verses. That's a lot. There's a lot of, for us being in Christ. I call this sermon crafted by Christ because I really like that word crafted. Because... Uh, I think I was talking to Keith this morning about that, but it's like when, when you think of a craftsman, it's someone who's patient. It's someone who does a work that takes a long period of time, you know, and, and there's, it, it, to me it speaks of being intricate and, and involved and engaged, and that's what happens when we're in Christ. When we are in Christ, the master craftsman starts forming us and shaping us into his likeness, and he changes us. 
And we're not immediately changed. It's this process that we go through. So being in Christ means that we are being crafted by him into his likeness and into something that we were meant to be. Our identity slowly comes out and we start flourishing in ways we couldn't possibly dream of. And we start understanding more about who we are in Christ and we start seeing that bear fruit in our lives. And then it starts bearing fruit in other people's lives. And most importantly, it starts bringing glory and honor to God. Our life becomes a living testimony of his power. And that's what it means to be in Christ. So we're crafted by him. Ephesians, another Ephesians scripture, 2.10 says it this way. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So we can do good things, the good things he planned for us long ago. Uh, The NIV says instead of God's uh, masterpiece, we are God's workmanship. Once again, it's that idea of a master craftsman working with his people. And uh, I just love that, that idea of that, the care and the concern and the involvement of a craftsman. That's an, inc- an incredibly beautiful thing. So being in Christ is, is amazing. There's all kinds of benefits, and that's what we'll be talking about, talking about what does it mean, how does it affect us, how does it shape our identity. But having said all of that, there's one ultimate benefit of being in Christ, and that means we have him. I think in the middle of all of this, we need to remember, yes, there are benefits. There are many benefits about being saved, about being in Christ. But the biggest, best benefit is we have him. We have Jesus Christ himself, the master craftsman. You know, when I think of that craftsman, he's always been working with us, right? Psalm 139 talks about how we were fearfully and wonderfully made, and God knits us together in our mother's womb. It just speaks of that care and that, that just involvement in who we are, even, even you know, while we're being formed in our mother's womb. But this in Christ takes us to a new level of relationship with him. So instead of just being a generic you know, um, son or daughter of God, you know, we are a child of God because we are reflecting his image. We are created in his image, which makes us children of God. But in Christ means we are adopted children of God, which takes us to a whole other level of relationship with him. We are truly in Christ when we believe in him. We have a new life because of his work, and we are being crafted into his likeness. But most of all, we get Jesus. So Paul writes in another book, the book of Philippians. I'll read the scripture in a second. But basically, he's talking to the Philippians, and he, he goes through this pedigree. He's like, I'm, I did this, and I was educated here, and I, you know, he's just, this is, this is all the stuff I have that make up who I am and what I have done. And it's a pretty, pretty solid list. There's not very many human beings on the planet who could compare to what Paul could say he did and accomplished in his time and in his culture. But this is what he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. (laughs) I just absolutely love that. It's like, it just can take so much of the the weight of the world and the, the stuff around us that's dragging on us. And you know, even our reputation, whatever it is, whatever we're worried about, and we can say, you know what, I... You know, compared to knowing Jesus, I have Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't make everything go away. 
You know, it doesn't make all our problems go away. But it does mean that in those moments, I have Jesus. <laughs> it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I have the creator of the universe. I get to talk with him, and he speaks to me, and he loves me, and he cherishes me, and I get to spend time with him, and I, he manifests his power through me. That's amazing to me. That's the best part about being in Christ is we have him, and we get to spend time with him, and we get to hang out with him. There's a, uh, uh, there's a poem I feel like... Uh, I'm going to kind of pillage it a little bit, but <laughs> it was written long ago, um, and I think it kind of really speaks to this kind of aspect of the craftsman, uh, the master craftsman working in our lives. And uh, it was written by Myra Welch in 1921, and it's called um, uh, The Touch of a Master's Hand. And uh, I was reading the poem, and I'm trying to, I was trying to get the cadence and try to read it right. Couldn't do it. So I'm not going to read the poem. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a story paraphrase. How's that? Because <laughs> trust me, it'll be much more better. <laughs> much more better. It'll be way better. Because, yeah, I just couldn't get the rhythm of this poem. I get the poem. It's a great poem. But uh, there's been songs written about There's actually been movies made about this poem. And uh, many of you have probably heard the songs. Um, I think one of the first ones came out in the 70s. But there's been remakes and new songs since then and whatnot. But so... The story starts with an auctioneer. He's at the end of the day, and the last item on the table is an old violin. And he's looking at the violin going, hmm, should I even, should I even sell this thing? Is it even worth it? He's not quite sure. So he picks up the violin, holds it up, and who will give you $1? $1. There's a pause, and finally someone's like, $1. Okay, great. Two. $2. $2. Come on, someone give me $2. $2. Finally another person, $2. Like, okay, can we get it to three? Three dollars? Three dollars? Anyone? Anyone? Finally, someone's three dollars. He's like, okay. And then he's thinking to himself, well, probably not going to get any more than that. So three dollars once, three dollars twice. And right before he says sold, a man stands up and walks up to the podium. Looks at the man and the guy sticks out his hands and grabs the violin and the bow and kind of listens to it and tunes it up puts it up, and starts playing the most beautiful song they had heard. So for the next several moments, people are mesmerized by the beauty of this violin and the song this guy is playing on it. And finally, after a few moments, he puts the violin down and goes, sits down. There's a moment of silence. People are looking out, looking at one another. Finally, the auctioneer goes, $1,000. $1,000. Guys, boom, right here, 1000 2,000, two, two, doesn't even get it out of his mouth. And someone's 2,000, finally gets to three. 3,000, 3,000, 3,000, I'll buy for three. Sell it to me for three. 3,000, going once, going twice, sold. Everyone starts cheering. This violin has gone for $3,000 instead of $3. But there's a couple of people who are like, wait a minute. What made the difference? What made the difference in the worth of that violin? And someone quickly replies, it was the touch of a master's hand. That's our life. That's our life. When we allow Jesus to be the master craftsman of our life, when we are in Christ, he takes us and he makes the most beautiful song. It's amazing what it means to be in Christ. It's amazing when we surrender our life to his hands and his care because he is the master craftsman.
And in that place, we can be crafted by Christ. So we're just going to go on a journey. Go on a journey over the next few weeks about what that means. What are the different areas that we can allow the master craftsman to work in our lives to form our identity, to form who we are? Why is it such a beautiful thing? Why is it so awesome to allow him to shape and identify us? And we'll talk about those things. But for this moment, um, where's Liz? Liz? Yes, we just saw. Um, just want to give you that opportunity. I, I, I know um, a couple of things. One, if you're not sure if you're in Christ, <laughs> if you, maybe I confused you, you're not sure what that means, or you don't know if you are or not, I would just encourage you to come and talk to me or talk to someone you trust. Talk to someone you know who is a follower of Jesus and say, can you talk that through with me? Can you pray with me? Love to do that. The other part of it is if you feel like you have no clue who you are or you're trying to figure out who you are, whatever phase of life you're in, or you just want more, you want more of that intimacy with Christ because you are in Christ, then in this moment as we worship, just offer yourself to him. Offer yourself to the master craftsman and allow him to shape you. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to identify you. Allow him to say, this is who you are. You are in Christ, so that means this and this and this and this. Because it's in that place where we really understand who we are in Christ that we can be strong, we can stand firm, and we're standing on this firm foundation of Christ because we're in Christ. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Father, we come to you in this moment, and we ask that you would teach us what it means to walk in your ways. Teach us what it means to be in Christ. Help us to love you. Help us to cherish you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to give our lives to you. Father, we just thank you for your great uh, outpouring of love and grace on us. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice and all that you've done for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our comforter. And in this moment, I pray that you would comfort us and open our eyes to the glorious riches that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.